Can y'all hear me? There we go. Well, I am one thing I'm grateful for. Lord, I'm glad I don't have two or three favorite hymns. I like so many. <laughs> one morning I might really worry before I get up here. So, But I appreciate your heart so much. Appreciate that song. Um, before we actually get in the message, I, uh, you know, I'm a basketball fan. I think March Madness, I think the Sweet 16. We have 16 places out there. Uh, for this mission project Saturday where we're using the associational inflatables, cotton candy, snow cones, popcorn, and two time slots from 11 to 1 and 1 to 3. If any of you guys um, want to reach out to those families in Springdale, encourage you to come and uh, serve there in a way. We need a sweet 16 to, to work. And so I appreciate that. And remember, that'll kick off Saturday and Sunday as the riddles will come and lead us in a time of refreshing and for Sunday through Wednesday night of revival. And, man, I know I need it. I need to be awakened and refreshed. All right, enough announcements. Let's move on to the message here. Romans 12. Uh, we're going to read verse 14 and 17 through 21. I'm going to ask you to stand in our God's honor when you find that text. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Master, here we are, bowing before you. Whether it's on knees or whether it's the bowing of the heart. We come because, Lord, we need you. Father, I pray this morning that your word might speak to our hearts. We have come because we do need you. And love is tough. It is more than mush. (laughs) And so I pray, Father, that you would show us your love this morning. Father, as we prepare for a time uh, with the riddles, Father, being revived and renewed, What a scripture, Father, to remind us of tough love, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Romans 12 begins where Paul says, I urge you, brothers, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's holy and acceptable. That's pleasing to God. And the point is, uh, we are not our own. We were bought with a price. We belong to him. And then as we move down to a couple of weeks ago where we started looking at the first part of this section of Scripture that talks about God's unconditional love that doesn't just come up and down with a vertical, but as it spreads out horizontally, how we are called to love other people. Boy, I tell you what, you get to this section of Scripture, you're dealing with loving people who are mean to you, people who hurt you. I remember... uh, Years ago, some dear friends of ours in Florida, in Cindy's hometown, a lady Cindy grew up with, 
And she's been married. They've been married for a while now. But when they started dating, they had that sweet, sicky kind of romance thing going on, you know. And we went somewhere with them. And we were in the back seat. And Cindy and I were just listening to them, you know, just shaking her head. Hey, sweetie. Hey, lovey-dovey. You know, and you're going, oh, my gracious. You know, and you sit back. You know, isn't it great when there's a love that feels all good and warm and snuggly? This isn't it. <laughs> this is the kind of love that's tough, that's difficult, because it stems um, from not what makes us feel good. <laughs> it stems from doing the right thing when we experience the wrong thing. And so um, as we look at the scripture, we just keep that in mind. Uh, Will Rogers, I love a lot of his sayings. This one, I don't know what he was thinking when he said, I've never met a man I didn't like. I wish it were that way. I wish we all got along. and Everything was, you know, hugs and handshakes. But sometimes there's clashes that happen. And sometimes there's pain that's involved in all of it. In the scripture, we learn about a, a teenage boy whose job in the family was to take care of the livestock, the farm. And... In that day, it was sheep. He spent a lot of time out in the fields. And he didn't need a lot of attention, a lot of notoriety. He he didn't need a lot of personal praise. But he said he spent a lot of time out there with the sheep. And and he wrote a lot of songs to God. It was a time for him to spend, not only with the sheep, but a time for him to spend with God. And God began to mold him and work in his heart. He had no idea what was ahead. He had no idea God was going to take him from the sheep to a place of influence and power among men. One day he walked into the house and he was the youngest of eight brothers and they were all gathered in the middle of the biggest room of the house and he thought, what in the world is going on today? And he walked in and there was an older gentleman, a priest of the area, a guy named Samuel And he was looking for God's anointed. And he had gone through the other brothers. But eh, he was not the anointed one. The first seven. But David. Samuel looked at him. And he said, this is God's anointed. This is God's man. And David must have thought, what? What? You will be the next king. And and you know, that sounds all glamorous. and, and, And that sounds all... You know, wonderful, and David's made it. He's hit the the lottery, you know, power and prominence. But it didn't happen for a decade. Ten long years. Matter of fact, the next thing that happened was the current king, Saul, King Saul, he was troubled. He, He struggled. He was depressed and he would become angry and, and he had headaches and, and, and he needed to be soothed. And he found out that there was a young musician... That would be the same guy, David, who beautifully played the harp. You see, those times of, of, of being with God, those times of working on, on music, God would use that. He uses everything. He was in Saul's presence. He played his music. It soothed Saul's heart. It soothed his mind. They became close. All looked well. Then uh, there was a problem with the Philistines and Oh, there was this big guy that showed up causing all kinds of problems uh, named Goliath. 
Everybody was terrified of him, knees knocking, all that stuff. David was called not to fight. He was called to bring some food to the hungry soldiers. He was the errand boy with the vittles. As he came in with those vittles, he said, why is everybody's knees knocking? Why is everybody so scared? It's him. You know, the guy that's nine, six or you know, huge. Oh, David said he didn't see how big a life was. He saw how big God was. And you guys, most of you know what God did. He, he took David and David, who was used to keeping away the predators of the sheep, took his sling, <laughs> took his rocks, aimed at big old Goliath. How could he miss that big head? <laughs> right in the middle there, right between the eyes. And he fell. <laughs> and God used David to conquer the giant. And, and soon, word spread. But the word said among the people, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. Suddenly, Saul was jealous of this one who had once soothed him. Now all he could think about was, that's my glory. David's getting my attention. And from that time on, he was suspicious of him. And then it tells us another place in the scripture where David is playing music for King Saul. And suddenly Saul just loses it and he picks up his spear and he throws it at David. David misses the spear. He takes it out of the wall. Instead of striking back, he gives the spear back to the king. You know what happens? He gets another spear thrown at him. I mean, now let's face it. How do we normally like to react when spears come our way? It's not, oh, well, what was that about? Thank you. No, that's not the way that it works. David takes off for the next decade. He is chased by Saul. Saul is jealous. Saul wants to take his life. Turn the uh, in the Old Testament. We want to look at First Samuel twenty four, and it records David on the run, and he meets the present king, King Saul. I'm just going to we'll just kind of march down through the text here. First uh, Samuel twenty four. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. The cave was there. Now, you know, it's not surprising. David was a shepherd. He knew all about sheep. And I'm sure he knew about places when you traveled with sheep that were good places to stay. So it wouldn't be surprising to look for David in this place. One commentator I read about said that more than likely it was a place of large cliffs and there were caves and it was difficult to get to this area. But I want you to notice, and you know the scripture, guys, you know sometimes we make the scripture out to be this holy book that's distant. No, it's not distant. It's daily life. As we look at this next part, I want you to see how daily life it is. It says a cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. That's what we find out. And it says David and his men were back in the cave. Saul obviously didn't feel like there was anything to be afraid of in that cave. It was safe in there in his mind. Notice what David's men said. This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands and you to deal with him as you wish. Now, uh, in other words, they said to David quite clearly, this is the day the Lord has made. Slice his throat. He won't know it until he sneezes. 
God has brought your enemy here. This is a sign. This is the time to strike, David. Look at David's response. Then David crept up unnoticed. He thought about it. And cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, Davis was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. He didn't look at Saul in accordance to how Saul treated him. He looked at Saul as one who was in a place of prominence and a place of respect. This says a lot about David, doesn't it? Look at this next part. It says, uh, verse 8, David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the king, when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say, David's bent on harming you? This day you've seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. Now understand, recognize, I'm not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I've not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. He just said it like it was. You're hunting me down, and I could have taken your life. I didn't. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you've done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom, whom are you pursuing? King Saul, a dead dog, a flea. May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. When you're going through tough times, God has a way of humbling you. God has a way of helping you see clearly how much you need him. And that's where David was in those tough desert on the run days. But I want you to notice what happened to Saul. Look at verse 16. This is amazing. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You've treated me well. I've treated you badly. You just now told me of the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me in your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from your father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul and Saul returned home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. Wow. What happened? Because David acted in a godly manner. Saul, his accuser and his persecutor, was filled with guilt. He was conscience stricken and he was able to see the truth. Now, um, that being said, let's jump back here to our passage for today, which is in Romans 12. As we look at these principles of dealing with those rightly who wrong us. Verse 14 is the first principle, deliberately resist the natural instinct you have. <laughs> bless those who persecute, persecute you, bless 
and do not curse. I mean, let's face it, the natural instinct is to hit back. The natural instinct is to let them have it, zap them. And, 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 you know, not only to give it a thought, I'm talking nurse it and rehearse it, you know. That's the natural reaction. But it says here, that's not the way you are to act as God's child. You need to deliberately resist your natural instinct. It says to bless. Isn't it interesting that as he starts here, he's talking about what comes out of our mouths. It says in Proverbs 27, verse 19, As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Truth of the matter is, as the old saying goes, uh, what's in the well is what's going to come up in the bucket. So what's in your heart is what comes out your mouth. It says in Proverbs 12, verse 18, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the mouth of the wise brings healing. And we can do some damage with our words. But the word... That is translated here, bless, um, literally means to speak well of. It, it's the word from which we get our word eulogy from. It's the idea of a funeral. When you go to a funeral, you don't hear people say, Well, let me tell you what a card this guy was. Let me tell you how mean he was. Or, no, that's not what happens at a funeral. What happens at a funeral is... We want to pay respects to that person. And so we remember the best about them. And that is what is said. That is what is shared. And and that's the picture here. In other words, don't spend your time knocking this guy, destroying his reputation. Speak well of him. That is the call here. Man, that's hard to do when you get angry too, for sure. Um, Thomas Jefferson had said, uh, when... Very angry, uh, when angry count to ten, when very angry count to a hundred. Years later, Samuel Clemens, you know, Mark Twain, he changed it. He said, when angry count to four, when very angry cuss. Well, that's how we feel when we get very angry and, and, and when we're upset. And God says, that's not what's to mark us. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up. Anger. So, so we're to bless. That's the principle one. Second, cons- consciously fight every temptation to get evil. Um, look at verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. The Greek literally says to no one pay back evil for evil. It's so easy for those things to escalate when we're harmed to harm back. And, you know, it's like the Hatfields and McCoys. I'm sure it got to a point where they couldn't even remember what the fight was all about. It seems like I read somewhere that they think it started with the accusation that someone stole a pig. But, boy, it didn't end there. It just kept escalating as the harm went back and forth. And, and so we have to consciously fight the temptation to play that game of, uh, of seeking to get even. Of he hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. And, and, and to stay away from that. Um, instead, to try to find ways to, to communicate respect. I love verse uh, 18, though, which is great. You know, I love to have an out sometimes. This is good. He says, if it is possible. Sometimes it's just not possible. Where there's two people involved. If two people don't cooperate, then you can't do it, can you? He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
You can't control the other person, but you can control you. What are you going to do? How are you going to act? What are you going to say? That's, that, that's the key, not how the other person responds. They may not forgive you. The other person may not treat you right. That may never be healed. But what about you? How are you going to respond? That's a principle. All right, one more here. Quietly trust God to handle all revenge. Look at verses 19 and 20. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. It's his job, not ours, right? On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. This is talking about in personal matters. Go out of your way to be nice and kind. This is not talking about if somebody wants to come in and, and rob you or if another country wants to take over the country that we just need to say, oh, just kill me. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about in personal matters that we need to have the love of Christ that reaches out um, in the arguments that we face. Um, and, and notice that this disarming is what happened, as I just read, as we went in that passage in 1 Samuel 24. Has David decided not to strike back, to work with respect? Has David decided to say what is respectful instead of attack? It, it got a hold of Saul's heart. It made an impact in Saul's life. It became like that burning coal. That, it's a statement that you just can't get away from. Why did this person do this? Why is he acting like this? Why is she acting like that? It's God's stuff. It doesn't naturally come from us. It comes from God. It's the kind of love that comes when Jesus Christ lives in your heart and you have a relationship with him that is alive and is vibrant. Uh, it's no wonder God chose David to be the next king. What kind of king was he? He's the kind of king who would overcome evil with good. What is the evil? It's the evil where you sit around and you dream about revenge. As I said, it's to nurse and rehearse the hurt. And to go for revenge and to attack. It's different for us, but not that different. When we get hurt, we want to nurse and rehearse. And God says, let it go. That is the call. Uh, close with this story. Uh, there was an artist... Who loved his dog. I mean like his own child. Ours is spoiled like your own child. But not our child. But anyway. Uh, this dog broke her leg. And the artist. He was so upset. So he called a, a friend of his. A good friend of his. Who was a fairly well known surgeon. And he said quick. You got to come to the house. There's an emergency. It's a matter of life and death. So he comes over to the house. And he sees what's happened. This very well-known surgeon and it's a dog's broken leg. Doesn't say a word. Goes to work. Treats the dog with care and, and does everything as he would do for a person. Then he leaves. Um, time passes. and Well, the artist is very grateful and he wants to, you know, pay the bill. He wants to do whatever's necessary for this surgeon. He can't get a hold of the surgeon. The surgeon won't return his calls. And he thought, uh-oh, I've destroyed my friendship. So then he manages, 
finally to talk to the surgeon. He says, I'll write you a check. Any amount, just tell me. I'm just so grateful for what you've done. And the surgeon says, mm, you're a painter, right? He says, yeah, I've got a cabinet over here. All I want you to do is put a good, solid coat of white paint on this cabinet over here. And, and, and so the artist says, man, that's pretty smart, you know. And But instead of putting just a white coat of paint on the cabinet, he paints two of his most prized masterpieces worth thousands of dollars on the cabinet for the doctor. Now, as I think of this illustration, I thought of a couple of things. The doctor did the right thing, but inside it wasn't right. Um, the artist, he didn't get it. He didn't realize there was a hurt there until this occurred, and then he could see the depth of the hurt. And then he decided to pay back the evil with a good. And the result of that was a masterpiece worth a lot. It is a masterpiece worth a lot. And we decide to do things God's way. When naturally within us what we want to do is attack. Let's pray. Lord, it's good to be in your house, God. Father, as we come to you, as we seek to be honest, sometimes we let hurts take root, damage ourselves and others. You call us not to do that, Lord. That's not love. Maybe you want to do some business today in our lives. I pray, Father, that we would be open to you, God. Father, maybe you want to bring revival to us. And, and maybe there's something that we need to deal with now. So that, Father, there's an atmosphere where you're welcome. If so, Lord Jesus, work. If it's me, Father, then... May the searchlight of the Holy Spirit just point it out so clear that I can't miss it. I pray that for all of us. And Father, we need you. I just pray you do a mighty work among us, Father. Amen. We just trust you and we just say, work your work because our work, what is that? But your work, ah, that's what we need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand.